This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. past the hour of nine o'clock. You're on 3RRR. This is Radio Marinara. I'm Anthony Boxshaw. I'm Bron Burton. And I'm John Ford. Good morning. Good, Good morning, morning all. Oh, wow. We are recovering. We're coming down from that beautiful musical interlude there for the last half hour, well, 20 minutes, on Timothy Shaw. Oh, right. Yes. Brilliant. I hope everyone's off to the Thornbury Theatre to see them perform. Uh, yeah. When is that? Today? Oh, no, 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 no. In coming weeks. In coming I'm not, weeks. I don't have the exact mm. date. I'm sure Tim brilliant. will have it up on, the, on his website or on his Facebook or something similar. We'll get the details. Yes. Once again, Timothy has surpassed himself and everyone who previously existed in radio. Including our past selves. Wow, big call. Got to go from superlative to superlative. <laughs> I, I got nowhere to go now. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Uh, we do love uh, Mr. Thorpe. And um, are you all well? Yes. Yes, indeed. indeed. I, I've, I've got to say that when I came in in the car, we did knock-knock jokes. So I have one for you. Oh, I've got two fish jokes. Okay, so All we right, start with wow. the joke yeah. before we talk about Knock-knock. Who's there? Alison. Alison who? Alison to the radio. Ah, oh, you nice. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the only relevant one for the show. <laughs> uh, but Brian clearly has some fish oh, jokes, which are We were going to get on to the rest of the show. <laughs> Do you want to hear? Should we get him out of the way? Yeah, well, do the jokes. Let's do the what do you, jokes. What do you call a fish with no eyes? Uh, I don't know. I what know, do you call a fish with no eyes? Fush. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a great one? <laughs> These are such dad jokes. And what did the fish say when it swam into the side of a wall? What? Damn. 
Are they great? <laughs> I just don't even know why I'm laughing. Thank you, you are indeed on Radio Jokerama. I need to credit <laughs> that to the person who told me, but I've forgotten his name. But if you're listening, you know who you are. I'm going to credit mine to um, to my seven-year-old Scarlett <laughs> in the car. <laughs> hey, you are on Radio Marinara, and today we're going to cover a bunch of stuff. We've got lots of bits of news to catch up. We won't even give people a heads up on what they are because there's so much news been going on. Yes. And then Adam Pope's going to join us at 9.30. He's the convener of the Australian Marine Sciences National Conference, which is in Barmy Geelong in, in a month's July. time. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, you know, hey, 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 you know, if you're going to go to Geelong... It's all relative. Well. I reckon Cliff from Antarctica would reckon that Geelong probably is a bit balmy right now. <laughs> He's probably sitting there going, By Antarctic balmy, standards. Geelong, oh, God, I wish I, was, I wish I was in Geelong. Not that he it's sounds like that. Looks out the <laughs> window and it's minus 50 bazillion or whatever it is. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so Adam will join us. Um, and a really interesting, innovative thing that's happening, um, a public event, um, a public science event at Q&A. So we'll chat to Adam about that. And then um, last week you guys touched on the new uh, comments out of the UNESCO. Yes. So this is about whether or not yeah. that the Great Barrier Reef needs to be listed as oh. in danger, not endangered, but in danger. And uh, there was a, a rather large reaction, uh, positive and jubilant reaction, um, particularly by our Federal Environment Minister, Greg Hunt, who <laughs> got in front of a camera and said, it's awesome, it's awesome, Great Barrier Reef's not in danger. So there's a little bit of jumping of the gun. And I think Christopher Pine also said, I'm a fixer. No, sorry. Yeah. Well, he did. Did he fix it? I fixed it. No, it's not a problem anymore. I fixed it. Has he kind of earned the, the money? I'm a fixer. Bob the Builder? <laughs> anyone started calling him Bob the Builder yet? No. Has anyone that taken on? No. I fixed it. I it's thought Bob the Builder anymore. was a, you know, a lovely, innocent, it. happy character. Well, that's the... It's not exactly words I associate with. Anyway, let's move on. You've, got, um, you've obviously <laughs> not moved into the Bob the Builder stage no, yet, John. I haven't. It's the can is, we is fix little... it? Oh, is yeah, a yeah. little catch cry of Bob the Builder. Anyway, back yeah, to back to sorry, point. Yeah, back to sorry, yes, yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, jumping the gun. Uh, it was the UNESCO report that came out, and that was their their recommendation, their conclusion that at this stage, because there has been a lot of work done, and that does need to be acknowledged. Yeah. The report still needs to be accepted by the World Heritage Committee and there are 21 countries on the World Heritage Committee. They meet in a few weeks' time in Bonn in Germany and uh, there's been a bit of an outcry, particularly by a lot of green groups who aren't happy that um, that this has been the recommendation by UNESCO. So, so I saw a comment on social media from someone who said, have I actually seen the Great Barrier Reef and what's happening to it? And uh, so, yeah, we're, we're so sort of in that period. Bron, that there's a chance that someone in politics has spun this into something oh, not to their all. advantage. No, no. Oh, <laughs> in terms of this, but yes. Because it hasn't really been it, decided. It yet. hasn't been decided, no. Okay. What, what's been so decided is the conclusion by UNESCO and what's been decided is to put this report out. Yeah, so the, so it's like the umpire now, or the, 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 the people who are doing the ruling have to rule now. That's right. So I think this, so we're going to come back and chat about this at the end of the show because I think it's a really interesting um, discussion about these kinds of listings. What are they worth? What do they mean? And John, you've been doing some digging too. So we'll come back to that. But news? Uh, no, weather. Oh, weather. Any weather. weather. I, it felt like outside, it felt like there was weather. Can yeah. I, can I you say? You feel it on I could feel there the weather. Is weather. There, there is weather. Weather is everywhere. Yeah, is it? Yes. Damn it. Einstein and GoGo crew always say science is everywhere and they're right about that. <laughs> we, weather is everywhere too. 
Where there is science, I suppose you could. Oh, yeah, I think so too. As I was going to um, open the back page of, right. of the, the Sunday Age to yeah. read out the weather for all of our interest and information and enjoyment, yeah. I came across the heading on yeah. the headline on the back page. You ready for this? Yeah. Thorpe proves equal to the long littleness of life. <gasps> there you go. So our Tim Thorpe's made it into the sun. Really? Uh, uh, that Thorpe? The no. No, it's, it's, it's actually Ian Thorpe. Oh. But it did grab my attention. I think we might it's have to cut that one out. Pop it on the uh, yeah, Tim I Thorpe so. <laughs> wall of fame. Uh, we'll have to replace Tim the is, photo, I sorry, think. Tim is denying that, he's, <laughs> that he, he is once again, once again, denying the fatherhood. Me, <laughs> thinks, he, me thinks he doth protest too much. He doth protest too much. <laughs> 16. On, own Ian. Own the sun <laughs> you've always had. Heading for top of 16 today. Mostly uh, sunny. Good day. Good day for community cup training. <gasps> oh, your community the cup training The mighty, today. mighty megahertz oh. they're uh, starting to polish play, things up you're, a bit you're in again oh, I'm not playing I was going to say I just oh. no <clears throat> those days are behind me they were behind me when I was there. It's, behind it's, me now. it's more that I've got a, a shoulder full of metal platery and um, <laughs> been warned to not go even entertain the concept of taking it on a board. Actually, is there like there's a medical rule that like if you have that much armour inside you, you're not allowed to be because no. it injure other people. No, okay. <laughs> they kind of leave it up to, to your own judgment. A different league for those kind of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the armoured, the bionic. That's the bionic. it. <laughs> Uh, so 16 and tomorrow yeah. 17 possible late shower. Tuesday 14 and showers oh and then 13 God. on oh, Wednesday. It's yes. plummeting down and then Thursday it's 5. No, it's 15. And um, <laughs> Friday back up 16, 17 on Saturday. So... Are we seeing any rain or is it yeah, just Yeah, Tuesday. Of, yeah. Okay. And then it's not much rain for the rest of the week, no. actually. No. So a bit of a shower tomorrow and some showers on Tuesday and then dry for the rest of the week. Okay, great. And uh, the tide times at the heads going to be uh, a low tide at 9.11. All that would be in 55 seconds, so low tide. <laughs> you might want to get your skates on if you're running for the low tide. <laughs> High tide. That's extremely precise, too. <laughs> That's in 55 I seconds. I just looked up at the, the clock. <laughs> and uh, a high tide... Uh, at 3.35 this afternoon. And the surf forecast, it has been amazing. I've been seeing all sorts of photos of these perfect waves, particularly on the west coast, up on social media. Infrequent westerly swell continuing across the state today. Conditions will remain good all day on the surf coast with an offshore wind. Portsea region will be best on Mornington Peninsula. Water temperature is 15 degrees. Mm. Have you been diving, John? No, I haven't. I've been on holidays. It's funny. I don't know. I don't know. I don't There's like a lot of our listeners that go, hang on, that's the other way around. For yeah, me. don't you yeah. go diving when you are on holiday? Yeah, that's it. No, unfortunately, no. Oh, I love that. No, 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 no. No, I'm doing things like sitting in front of the television because I'm on holidays. There's been a bunch of interesting news. There has. Who wants to kick off? I should say, first of all, Happy World Oceans Day. Yes. And then we'll come back to World Oceans. Um, which was, which is today or was. I think we might be one mic short. We are. You know what there I've we done? Go. How about, let's try that again, John. Hi. Hi. World Oceans Day. So when, when is, that, is that today? It's no, tomorrow. It's tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah. Oh. So we had World Environment Day on uh, Friday. So it's actually interesting. This weekend huh? sits between World Environment Day and World Oceans Day. Right. And incidentally, Friday I just discovered was also National Donut Day. I Go figure that connection. Environment and donut, yeah. same day. It's a very strong link. I think green donuts are going to be in order next year. Do you think so? <laughs> well, half green and half blue. Yes. For world o- environment and well, world oceans. Yeah, or maybe 75% blue. 
<laughs> so, well, given that we're talking about World Oceans Day, it's um, this year's theme is Healthy Oceans, Healthy Planet. And um, we're being encouraged to consider the fact that um, if we retain health in our oceans at many levels, but in terms of uh, ocean quality, water quality, but also species diversity and ecosystems resilience and those kinds of things, then we have a healthy planet. I think it's a pretty neat little connection and neat link and there's a neat little world oceans t-shirt actually if you want to get a world oceans day t-shirt is it on the heart yeah it's yeah cool. it's cool. got this purple heart which i quite like the purple heart with this um essentially co- branching coral and that makes a shape of a heart and then there's all these animals and ocean animals and plants all kind of intertwined in there it's kind of cool yeah nice. anyway, yeah you can get it blue as well you don't have to have it purple so <laughs> So are there any events around town? Or well, industry? this is the interesting thing. So you can go to worldoceansday.org, um, which is run by I don't know whom, actually. It's the, well, I think it's an offshoot of the UN. Is uh, it? This is a really interesting one. Well, it, well the I've Oceans just, Project sponsors the worldoceansday.org. Yes. But, yeah, I, yeah. anyway. Yeah, I wondered about this too because uh, World Oceans Day, is it's a bit like World Environment Day. It's a UNEP is declared it, yeah, day? Right. That's, well, that okay. was my understanding because I was trying to do some homework on this during yeah. the week as well. And but you would think that there would be a, a UN connection with the website, so it was a bit. Not. It's a bit odd. So the Ocean Project is, is you know, who, who's, who essentially are funded by American um, philanthropic trusts to promote things oceanic and important, you know, um, protection of the oceans, etc. They, they've set up this World Oceans Day um, or .org, and it is a really good website. It's got some fantastic resources if you were going to run an event. So to get to your question, your question, John, it, what you do if you want to, if you want to put an event, you can put an event up on the World Oceans Day right. website. And you can actually place it, and there's a map of the world, and you can place it there and no there aren't any no and it's not it's not coordinated at all it's no. really interesting but it's world environment day is sort of a bit the same yeah it's just kind of like this is the day that we're going do to stuff. do stuff yeah and so i don't know about your kids anth but um my kids primary school jumped all over that yeah, yeah, right. yeah which was great they actually had a, a day where kids could dress up in something to yeah, represent well. and they had a theme of energy this year so um and it, it worked really well some of the costumes were just outstanding so wow. what like kids dressed up as tidal power generators <laughs> they did do you know what there was one family with three girls and they collectively came as a wind farm they oh, all came as wow. wind turbines it was sensational it was <laughs> so good yeah that was my was favorite there, costume by far was there anyone who was just a little bit subversive and came as like nuclear energy no, no okay. just but, wondering but Huey went as a miner my son <laughs> and they kind of didn't get it they were looking at him going but but you know mining is bad for the environment and he's like yep <laughs> and partly that was because we had a little bit of last minute throw together with the costume because Bob and the, forgot. And the Bob the Builder hat went on and took the Bob <laughs> off. Well, we used a bike helmet and then a, our camping head torch. A bit of a combination there. But anyway, back to back to World Oceans Day. So yeah, it's an interesting one. There's no, there's not really any coordination. Chris, it's kind of crowdsourced. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's a sort crowds. Of like, it's like here's the day crowdsource events. Off you go. Yeah, do what you will. 
and, and, and and it's a bit like I suppose World Donut Day, isn't it? In the sense that there's no events, but it's like you can buy into it or not. I didn't even know about World Donut Day. Again, the power of social media. Some some a friend of mine put it up there, and I went, really? And it's on the same day as World Environment Day. An old mate of mine from California put it up, and he was like celebrating World Donut Day, and I was like, you, seriously, it's World it's World Environment Day today. What are you doing? They should choose a different day. Yeah. But um, anyway, this website that we're talking about, WorldOceansDay.org, there's a whole bunch of suggestions of things that you can do. So the one that really grabbed my attention was the Better Bag Challenge, um, yeah. kind of highlighting the uh, the issue of plastics in the ocean. And, of course, it, plastics come from any sources, not just plastic bags. But one of the things that you can do is sign up and pledge to uh, not take any disposable plastic bags for a whole year. So when you go to your shops, you just take your own bags. Don't accept any plastic bags when you walk away with whatever you've purchased. So I thought that was a pretty good one. And take then, your own bag. Um, and on the front page of the website is the is a, a kind of a connection to that. There's actually they replay some of Noah Noah Oceans Today, which is Ocean Today by Noah is a really nice little kind of set of clips about. And, and this one's called Trash Talk, and it's and it is what is the Great Pacific Garbage Patch? Oh yeah, yeah. And it's a neat little. Sorry, I'm pointing at the website as you guys can't see this at all, but it's a really neat little kind of clip about what's in it, where it comes from, and it connects through to the whole plastic bag thing. The other neat thing I like about this website, I got to say, is that there's a video from um, from the Octonauts about oh, World Oceans Day. I didn't well. see that. Yeah, cool. I was going to play it on air, but I couldn't get the damn technology to work. So anyway, World Oceans Day, um, explore, rescue, protect the parents out there that's um the octonauts um kind of catch cry and they've got a little world oceans day video awesome that's great <laughs> um other stuff they suggest is create a community art piece so um and around a drain is always a good spot for that just to kind of highlight the fact that whatever goes in there ends up in the ocean does ends up in the ocean it's and uh, clean up your favorite spot so kind of take we we kind of tend to do that on clean up australia day but uh there's no reason why that can't happen any of the other 364 days of the year um, showing films, um, the the other sorts of things require a little bit more coordination. Yeah, and of which course, you probably can't do the day before. No, and also because <laughs> World Oceans Day is a public holiday, at least here in Victoria. Mm. Well, actually, Queen's Birthday is it national? Is it national? I think other people don't do other people do Queen's birthday different days. Uh, some do. I know. I'm a bit confused about uh, that. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. We get one here. Anyway, there's the website <laughs> so the you Melbourne can go check that out. To go skiing. We've got a few other news items. Can we move on to oh, a few, a few more news sure. items? Absolutely. Worldoceansday.org. I'll stick it on the Facebook if anyone wants it. Have a look. John, you and I have got a few obscure ones. Do you want to go next? Yeah, sure. Look, I, I'm <laughs> I love this swordfish one. Yeah, this this story about um swordfish in Florida that were found actually to be clones. So they and this is in the wild. So they were reproducing without the need for basically they're females without the need for sex or for male sperm and this is quite a, a common thing in a lot of invertebrates it's called um, parthenogenesis and some lizards yes. and some lizards as well yeah. reptiles as well um, sharks too but, um, but they often find them in uh, certainly for sharks and reptiles and in captivity so finding them um, in the wild and in uh, fish was actually quite um, yeah surprising I guess now sawfish um, is particularly in this part of the world in, in Florida are, uh, thought, thought to be about 5% of their current population so there's not a lot of them out there. So what that kind of means is that it's hard for females to find males in, when they've been, populations have been reduced so much. So this is actually quite may, – maybe, and we don't actually – this is just observations, but it's hypothesised to be, be a response to these low population densities. So if you can't find yeah, yourself wow. a male, then you clone yourself. So that's really, really fascinating. And it actually may be, it may be a good way to get populations um, sort of reproducing at low, at low kind of densities, but uh, in the end they're all the genetic 
basically the same. So that's not necessarily a good thing for the population in the was, long term. I was going to say, yeah, long term. This is so it's a short term. It's a, like a strategy to get over a short term shortage. That's it. Yeah, yeah. How interesting. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah, is that the first time that though that that bony fish have been found to I'm be? not not entirely sure as I said they certainly found them in sharks and maybe other bony fish but they're generally in captivity yeah, so it's wow. a response to sort yeah, of being of alone okay. you know not right. seeing yeah, yeah, any yeah. of its kind yeah. so yeah how fascinating I've got a, I've got a few I've got a positive couple of positives a po- couple of negatives and an MX <laughs> 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 Let's do the, the negatives first, finish on the positive, shall okay. we? Okay. you want to do that? Yep. So this is something that just appeared in The Guardian. Uh, the IUCN, which is the International Union for Conservation of Nature, they've put out another report, a new report, saying uh, 40% of Europe's sharks and rays face extinction. Can you believe that? 40% of Europe's sharks and rays face extinction wow. with a direct link to, to overfishing and unsustainable fishing as well. So it's a really interesting article. I'll, we'll put a link to this on our Facebook page. A few... Um, statistics that they've uh, quoted here a a lot of it is to do with um, as I said um, unsustainable fishing practices so uh, where fish population trends could be measured nearly a third were found to be in decline Uh, 7.5% of the continent's marine species were at risk of extinction so that's all marine species not just sharks and rays 7.5 and that jumps to 10% when near threatened species are counted as well Goodness. So, uh, yeah, pretty pretty scary stuff. Bycatching, uh, bycatchers, sorry, is, a, is a, an issue here. They've pushed blue sharks onto the IUCN's near-threatened list and angel sharks are on the verge of extinction. Um, so you can only now find angel sharks around the Canary Islands. Uh, they ha- there are some good um, news stories. So Atlantic cod and bluefin tuna, they've been improving in terms of their stocks because of... Uh, From a very low level. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Uh, and uh, Atlantic salmon, halibut, trout, they've been overfished to the point of vulnerability. Turbot populations have fallen by nearly a third in the past three decades. And 36 marine species, so 36 species are now fished according to their maximum sustainable yield. Um, So there's a lot of work that's being done into um, trying to address this practice. And uh, things are heading in the right direction, Um, some would argue not fast enough. But uh, European Commission's now investigated more than 200 cases of suspected illegal fishing leading to uh, 8 million euros of fines. 8 mm. million euro. That's pretty... Wow. Uh, that's, that's a lot. Million or Hefty million? Million. Million, okay. So 6 million pounds. Mm. So, uh, yeah, scary, but... So where I'll was l- this? Where? In this Europe, is, yeah? yeah? Yeah, it is in Europe. Yeah. 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 So, um, Goodness. One final sobering statistic here, and they're going to talk about birds as well. So a third of Europe's birds are now critically endangered, um, and uh, 37 <laughs> species of birds. I'm glad you gave heads up. This was, yeah, this, this was <laughs> a, a negative, negative one. And a lot of this, I mean, I'm sure we're really paying for um, historical damage, and certainly when yeah. it comes to a lot of this sort of yeah, we're catching them, but it's also the damage of, to the habitats. Mm. And a lot of these things, you know, some of these habitats, pretty deep water ones, and so on, take hundreds and hundreds of years to, if not thousands of years, to actually get back. That's and right. So we're really sort of paying for a, you know a long historical period of of um, the damage we've caused, and then that plays out in a lot of different systems. So, Past legacy, um, yeah. Yeah. So we, we can try to things push things on the up, but often we don't see those results immediately or even in the short term. So hopefully we get some upward trends in the next de- few decades. Well, I've got actually this is a perfect segue into the next story. Brilliant. Okay. I'll just quickly finish off this one. So. Um, just really sobering statistics here. Nearly half of marine species in the Atlantic and 93% 
of marine species in the Mediterranean are not being fished sustainably. 93% in the Mediterranean are not being fished sustainably. So it's pretty scary stuff. Was that from a UN report, sorry? This is from the IUCN report, yeah. Yeah, But uh, onto the positive, and you were just talking about that, John, about how sometimes it can take a long time to realise some of this stuff. This is from a a paper that is known in the um, uh, marine ecology circles as MEPS, so Marine Ecology Progress Series, I think, is the full title. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so this was a collaborative exercise done between the um, University of Western Australia's Oceans Institute, Curtin University and CSIRO. And they've been doing some research into the um, benefits of um, marine protected areas on fish stocks. And this is this has been going on for a long time. Coming back to what you were saying, John, that sometimes it can take a really long time for these effects to be found. And, and often that's the argument that's put against establishing marine conservation areas is that people can't see the immediate effects and so they assume that they're they're actually not effective at all. So this is some research into Ningaloo Reef and what they found is fish species targeted by fishermen or women fishers, such as uh, Trevally and Northwest Snapper, as well as some non-target species are larger and more abundant if they reside in sanctuary zones within the region. So this was um, research that was done back in 2006 and 2007 with this particular area that was established, I think it was in the 80s, it was in the late 80s as a a marine protected area. And so some, yeah, 1987. So some 20, coming up to 20, 20 years later. Years, yeah. yeah, they're starting to show the benefits. Mm. Mm. Which, which makes sense when considering how slow often fish can, can grow and the generations need to come through and so on. So, I mean, this is a kind of the, the timescales we're going to be able to see these um, these effects. That's and it, it makes complete sense because they're the ones that are caught by fishermen and that's what marine parks um, do in this case. So, yeah. yeah. Um, look, I've got, I've got an, another one that um, I, I heard on a few places, including um, sort of ABC Radio and that. It's, it's about an invasive um Walking fish in oh, northern yes. Australia. Wow! So that there's, it's called the um, it's called the wa- the walking or the climbing perch or the climbing pygmy perch, and it's um, it's uh, currently all through Southeast Asia and has recently invaded Papua New Guinea, and it's an amazing little fish because it can survive many many days out of water. Wow! Yes, so it can actually sort of actively like like a goldfish sort of effectively breathe wow. breathe the air like it's almost a goldfish. Semi amphibious. Yeah, in, in, indeed. Well, it's sort of in the same way that uh, I'm not really sure how it all works, but um, but yeah, sort of a goldfish can come to the surface and you know take a take a bubble and sort of um, and so it can live in sort of pools that have basically stagnated, and it can also live in sort of um, pools that have very high temperature or high salinity or low salinity and so on so it can even go out to sea and move between them and too, move between them and can the walk thing. it can climb so it can actually walk wow. like an eel sort of you know between different ponds got that sort of ability too so it makes it an amazing invasive of, is it, spit, they're fish. kind of red um rigid pectoral fins like yeah. the you know it kind of walks along them, that's it wow wiggling yeah. its body and then pushing off the fins that's amazing and, that and, was me doing the actions there and i mean it, it's yeah. an amazing thing but unfortunately for the sort of the ecology of the system that's that it yeah, um, that it ends up in um, is it kind of it's obviously very very hardy so it can displace other fish but also it's actually quite dangerous not toxic in that it has uh, sort of poison but it has really sharp sort of gill gill rakers and fins so if it's consumed by say a, another fish or by a bird then the yeah it gets stuck in their throat and cuts out so it's not actually found in Australia yet but James Cook it's going through University Torres, Torres yeah. Strait, isn't it? <clears throat> so what it's done is it's got to islands about um, I think it's four or six kilometres south of Papua New Guinea 
mm. in the top in the Torres Strait, but it hasn't actually made it to Australian islands yet. So it's not oceanic, though, is it? <clears throat> no, it is freshwater, yeah. but very hardy freshwater. But very, very hardy. Yeah, but yeah. it couldn't swim four kilometres through the ocean. We'd have to kind of go on a boat or well, it, it, well, it can get raft. flushed out by big oh, wow. by big rains. So if you've got sort of a, a slick oh, of wow. slick if I'm called, have a big plume of of the freshwater or brackish water, it can it can live in that. But wow. most likely, if it ever makes it to Australia, it'll probably be in the bottom of a boat, yeah. whether it's just sort of something it's just caught. Hit a ride, yeah. or whether someone take it for live bait as well. But it's actually it's so hardy, it's actually a really popular aquaculture species in Southeast Asia. So they farm it and they eat it. Oh, so wow. that's another reason why it can very easily spread, particularly if, if we're using it to farm. But Goodness, man. Our eyes are on it, and researchers at James Cook Uni are, uh, are onto it. So hopefully they can uh, stop it from getting here. And we are joined live on the line by Dr. Adam Pope, who is the, AM- the Australian Marine Science Association Conference Convention and Victorian AMSA branch president to discuss a conference starting in Barmy Geelong in less than one month's time. Good morning, Adam, and welcome to Radio Marinara. Morning. How are you going? Great. Now, what's the theme of this year's National Marine Science Conference? Uh, So the major theme is estuaries to oceans, which uh, has a a fair focus on estuaries, but um, certainly, like most AMSA conferences, uh, uh, covers a very broad range of, of marine science. And so, for those who don't know, the Australian Marine Science Association is a peak body of Australian marine scientists. And how many marine scientists and technologists, etc., do you represent as a group? Uh, so there are over a thousand members, and uh, we usually get about a third of them uh, coming along to each conference every year. And it's in balmy downtown Geelong, and that's because it's so incredibly warm in July. Is that why? Or? <laughs> That's it. Um, I think uh, compared to conferences that we've had in places like uh, Townsville or Darwin, I think we've got a lot to offer in Geelong. Absolutely. I mean, it's too easy in Townsville, isn't it? It is. It is. And so, so the theme is estuary situations, and I, I suspect there's probably a plethora of international and national plenary speakers lined up. Have you got any headlines there for who some of those speakers are and what they're going to be covering? Um, yeah, we've got uh, five plenary speakers, so uh, we've got uh, lucky enough to have two Jubilee winners. So the Jubilee Award is uh, is the Marine Science Association's Lifetime Recognition Award, I suppose. And we've got last year's winner, uh, Jeff Jones, who's a uh, coral reef ecologist based at uh, James Cook Uni in Townsville, and Maria Byrne uh, from the University of Sydney, who's this year's winner. So there's the, that's essentially, these are the gold logie of marine science in Australia, aren't they? They are, they are. So there's uh, and two gold Logie winners in one conference. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, all in the same place, all in sunny Geelong. <laughs> and so um, that usually, if I understand it correctly, though, the, I mean, that in all seriousness, it is actually, a, 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 though that award is, it is not actually given every year. It's only when there is an appropriate recipient. There have been years where the Australian Red Science Association hasn't given this award. So it is, um, I mean, we joke, but it is actually a very prestigious award. There haven't been many of them. And to... Um, to have two speaking at one conference is pretty exciting. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. It's, uh, yeah, other uh, plenary speakers we've got uh, include Robert Costanza, who uh, essentially invented the term ecosystem services and uh, environmental economics. He was a real pioneer in, in that, um, as well as Emma Johnston and Beck Fulton, um, who are both uh, focus on human impacts of ecosystems. Uh, Emma more from an ecological point of view and, and Beth from an, uh, an ecosystem modelling uh, perspective. 
Hi, Adam. It's Bron. Hi. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Good. Hey, uh, in past uh, AMSA conferences, um, they've been uh, joining with the New Zealand Marine uh, equivalent. I, I yep. can't quite remember. NZMSS. I think they need to buy a vowel. Was <laughs> New Zealand Marine Sciences Society, or maybe? Yeah, especially when you combine it with, uh, with the Australian. It's quite a long effort. <laughs> <laughs> are, they, uh, are they coming across this year as well? Uh, no, they're scheduled for next year. So last joint one we had was in Hobart a few years ago, and uh, and it's not something we do every year. But um, yeah, looking forward to uh, to that happening. Next it's year. like the World Cup, Bron. Only happens every few years. But, but the difference is, it doesn't cost people a lot of bribery money. No, I'm yeah. very. <laughs> <laughs> so the, um, I, I'm very impressed that for those that don't know, so you did mention um, a bloke called Bob Costanza or Robert Costanza there, who's, who's I think currently working at the Australian National University in you and he you mentioned adam that he is effectively kind of almost the inventor of this idea of ecosystem services he's a guy who has developed economic costing models for uh, lots of environments and he's the guy that came out and basically costed how valuable um or valued how um extremely valuable estuaries are to us as a as a, as a, a society and came out with unbelievably large numbers so is he going to be talking about kind of his estuary work um, he'll be uh, probably talking more about uh, ecosystem services of marine environments generally. So, uh, so marine and coastal ecosystems uh, is the title of his talk, Valuing Marine and Coastal Ecosystem Services. And uh, yeah, certainly, like you said, some, some very large numbers coming out of, of the work that he's done. It's extraordinary when you think about it. Hey, Adam, um, I'm always interested in, in what's happening in the student paper um, world because uh, it's it's fascinating. There's a lot writing on um, on student research, particularly, you know, master's, PhD, but honours as well. I mean, honours is a, a whole bunch of work that has to get condensed into a really short period of time. And what you often end up with in those pressure cooker environments for students is just some outstanding research. Um, have you ha had a chance to have a look at the student abstracts yet? Uh, yeah, we've got uh, close to uh, to one half student abstracts, and that's a really good thing about the uh, the AMSA conference is that it's uh, always been very supportive of, uh, of postgraduate students. And certainly, when I was a postgraduate, uh, it was it was a great forum to get out there and give my first conference presentations. I'm sure that's been the case for uh, for many Australian marine scientists. So, uh, it's, yeah, it's looking good again this year, uh, as always. And uh, we have uh, a range of prizes for uh, for the best student paper. As well. I gotta say, you know, like when I was a student, there were nowhere near this many prizes. It's incredibly <laughs> lucrative, you know, if you're a student and giving a good talk these days. Hey, Adam, the other thing about it, it's actually, is it is it held, going to be held at the Deakin campus there right at the waterfront in Geelong? Is that right? It is right opposite the, uh, the pier in Geelong, so it's a uh, perfect location for a marine science conference and uh, looking out on uh, on beautiful Corio Bay. And I'm looking for the right adjective and I've heard many and they range from colourful to controversial. Mayor of Geelong will be opening the conference. I oh understand. really? Yes. Well, yeah. Which is just sensational. And is he going to be dyeing his hair blue? <laughs> Can we put in a request Can for that? We? Let's start the tweet, Twitter campaign. What's his name again? Darren Lyons. Yeah, Darren Lyons. Dye your hair blue for the AMSA conference. Right, well, I think he's big on 
Facebook, so uh, can put a few requests there. That is sensational. Hey, Darren Lyons, if you're picking this up on media monitors, we'd like to see uh, a nice blue quaff oh, for the opening of Amsa. Something that's equivalent to, you know, to the outer ocean just off the coast there in the Ballerine Peninsula. Yeah. Yeah, come on, Darren, <laughs> do it for Amsa. Do it, do it for the marine science world. Yeah. Do it for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other thing, Adam, that is, I think, a really excellent um, development, and, and, um, and this is where Radio Marinara is getting involved in the conference, um, and I'm not saying this an excellent development because we're involved, but it's an excellent development because, um, you know, this is a deeply scientific conference. It's a conference for scientists and, you know, you could go as a layperson and listen, but it's it doesn't connect necessarily. It's not designed to connect to community, but um, you're running on the Monday night a kind of an exhibition and a Q&A equivalent of calling it a public forum. I'm going to MC it and pretend to be like Tony Jones, just less... Um, good at it um, <laughs> and we've got a very impressive panel mostly made up of um, of the plenary speakers and this is designed I believe for the public it's designed to connect the public of the Ballerine and Melbourne and Geelong through to really cutting-edge marine science. Yes um, and it's it's quite exciting it's the first time that we've included something like this in a conference uh, in, and this is the, the 52nd annual conference so uh, it's been going a while, but um, there was a very successful public event back in March that was held at the museum, and uh, and we thought, given how many people were interested in this sort of thing, that it'd be great to include something with the conference when we've got all of these great scientists in, in one place. So um, it'll be held, as you say, on the Monday night in the uh, in the large old hall on the waterfront campus, Costa Hall, um, and uh, there'll be. Uh, uh, five panelists, um, and we'll start off with uh, with questions that um, you can email through, uh, as well as take questions on the night. and uh, And I reckon you give Tony a run for his money. <laughs> hey, I've got to say, and I'm just going to make a slightly uh, uh, gender politics statement here. I think there'll be more women on the panel than there usually are on Q and A. But anyway, um, <laughs> which I think is a good thing. Um, no, it's a. What, so, what are the details? It's Costa Hall, July the sixth. Is that right? On the Monday night. On the Monday. What's night. a cost if you want to go? Uh, it's five dollars. So we've got. Uh some information is uh, is on the conference website, so amsaconference.net, uh, and tickets are available uh, at amsaforum one word dot eventbrite b r i t e dot com. Um, so let's do that one again. What was that one? Amsa forum one yep. word dot eventbrite b r i t e dot com. Cool. We'll put that on our Facebook for people. Yeah, and there, there are links to the uh, the email address for uh, for pre-submitting questions and things there. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and I think there's and, even uh, going, I think there's even a Twitter feed. We're really going uh, the full. We're going the full yep. Q and A here. <laughs> I want to be sitting there emceeing with little headphones or something in my ear, going, "We've got interesting tweets coming in from the Ballerine Peninsula now." <laughs> That's it. Hashtag Amps Forum as well. So all those details are, uh, are on the websites. Um, and beforehand as well, we've got a couple of great exhibitions. So uh, there's some work that Alicia Belgrove from, from Deakin has been doing with a professional photographer. Um, so a, a, a series of images that have been taken uh, of various seaweeds that uh, that she's been working with, as well as with uh, with researchers and students in the field. And uh, as well as that, we're going to have some microscope set up with uh, with various 
critters that uh, you wouldn't norm normally see without microscopes. Um, so from 6 to 7 before the forum, um, we'll have the, uh, the photo exhibition and, and the microscopes available for people to, uh, to have a look at and, uh, and be shown by some, some volunteer scientists uh, just what exists out there in the microscopic world. And is this partly to do with the fact that you can have a great conference and we can advance the, you know, the boundaries of science, unless we connect through to the community, we may as well be shouting in, alone in the ocean? Absolutely. I mean, that's one of the things about marine science is that so much of it is just not immediately accessible to people um, unless you're, uh, you're regularly in the water looking around. And, and even if you are, you're only seeing a small portion of, of what's actually in the oceans, which is quite different to, say, uh, terrestrial ecosystems where you know, anybody can, can basically go for a walk and, and have a pretty good look at what's around the place. Fantastic, Adam. Look forward to it. Uh, we'll, we'll plug the hell out, of course, uh, the public event um, in, the, in the next month, and I'll see you down there on the 6th of July um, to do my worst impersonation of Tony Jones imaginable. <laughs> uh, apologies to Tony already. But Adam, Adam Pope, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Oh, thanks for having me on. Adam Pope there, who's the uh, Victorian President of the Australian Marine Science Association and the convener of the National Conference um, down in Geelong. And let's start that movement. Darren Lyons, blue hair. Yeah, we won't say blue hair. Blue hair to open the Australian Marine Science Conference. Let's do it. He'll get on the news. Mm. If he does, he'll yeah, get well, on the news. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Bring, put Geelong on the map. You're already a Geelong's already on the map. <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah, put it on the map even more for blue things. Yes. <laughs> yeah, ocean things. What happened? So last week you guys picked up on, or rather, Bron, you were here, we weren't, um, picked up on the, the UNESCO's recommendation to list the great, to say the Great Barrier Reef is no longer in danger. And, and then what well, happened? Well, hang on. It never, it was, never it. was. Okay, sorry, not to change its status. <laughs> yes. Yes, <laughs> beg your pardon. Good point. Yeah. There was a discussion about changing a status, and then it, it seemed in the news. It meant that the war was over. The Barrier Reef's fine. <laughs> Everything's all good. And it doesn't seem that's the case. No, no, no. <laughs> Hold on. So what Whoa, did I Nitty. miss? What did I miss here? Okay, so it was, what happened was, and if you missed the start of the show, we'll just, we'll just very quickly recap. Uh, so UNESCO, uh, which is the United Nations... Environment, environment thing. And yeah, sustainability thing. Sustainability yep. 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 Uh -huh. yep. <laughs> Commission <laughs> organisation will work that yep. Yep. out. Yep. We all know what they do. Yeah, environment stuff. Yes, yep. and they are the formal reporting body to the World Heritage Committee. And the World Heritage Committee makes calls on whether parts of the planet are, should be considered to be officially in danger sh given their current status. Yeah. And so... UNESCO have put out a report on the Great Barrier Reef and we've known that this has been coming for a, quite a long time. I've been wondering what this report's going to say. Their recommendation to the World Heritage Committee is that particularly given the amount of uh, attention that has been paid to the Great Barrier Reef in recent times by both the Queensland and by the Federal Government and some of the uh, commitments in particular, so none of this stuff's been delivered yet, it's just commitments, to, uh, to address some of the problems. At this point in time, it's prepared to recommend that the Great Barrier Reef not be currently put on the in danger list. So what happened from there was a great big uh, outpouring of celebration and fireworks and yay, the Great Barrier Reef's not in danger. So we've for kind of... For a committee to recommend to another committee that shouldn't be. Yeah, yeah, so, so no decision's been made yet. Yeah, there's two important things. The decision hasn't actually been, been made because it's report to a committee that makes a decision and we'll hear from that in, in the coming weeks or months. Um, and the other thing is it's kind of pretty much on probation. So it's like, well, and we should review this in a few years' time. A couple of years' time. So yeah. it's not like it's just, you know, we're in the clear for now. It's just like, okay, yeah, let's right. see how this actually pans out um, because 
because you may very well be in danger in a couple of years. Yes. So, so, and and there were various responses. It seemed like, as you said, Chris, was it not Chris? Yeah, Christopher Pine. No, Greg Hunt. It was Greg Hunt. 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 They were out there saying how you know this is exciting. It's the end. Don't worry about it. There's nothing to see here. Let's move on. I've got some quotes here. Yeah, yeah. Just to sort of because everyone looks at it in different ways or takes what out they can. And so Greg Hunt said, "This is a huge tick of approval and is definitive, absolutely definitive, right?" Which is clearly not true because you've got to come back in a couple of years and sort it out. But in terms of... It's not of even passed through the council yet, so no. it's not even close to no, definitive. Anyway, right. in, okay. in yeah, way, Greg, Greg Hunt, and I quote, in terms of the international response is an overwhelming endorsement. The world has recognised that Australia has made huge steps in the last 12 months. <laughs> I love it. So it's definitive, yet, yet we're only focusing on what we've done uh, in, the, in uh, the last 12 months. Aside from the See, fact that those 21 countries have not actually had an opportunity to vote yet. So anyway, but the Stephen Miles, the Queensland Environment Minister, follows in, this, in kind of a similar path, but maybe is a bit closer. He says, scientists have looked at our plan and said it will protect and improve the Great Bay Reef. A little bit more cl- closer. That but actually what seems really quite measured. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. Act, that's measured. Yeah. And that's yeah. probably a bit closer to reality. But I love this, and this is getting politics back into it. The, of course, the state, the shadow environment minister in Queensland okay. said, here is yet another Labor attempt to claim credit for the decision, and this is ridiculous <laughs> and absurd. So, you know, the, poli- the, the small about, party politics enters as well. What so about the, some, of the, some of the green groups, I think, had a different response as well. Have you got any of those quotes? or? Um, um, yes, yeah, certainly we've got uh, Greenpeace CEO, sort of um, David Ritter, came and said, UNESCO is, has very clearly signalled that our beautiful Great Bay Reef continues to be in deep trouble and they've put the government on probation. So, so, so this is a different way to look at it, really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So this is where I think we come to the number. The, 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 the question here is how valuable are these listings if this is the way they can be interpreted? I mean, we've literally got someone saying it is black and someone saying it is white and, and then a whole bunch of people saying, no, it's somewhere in between. And and are they are they valuable? Is the only value they provide that we're actually having this conversation? You know that it actually raises the public awareness of a, an issue, whether it be really about the real issues or not. Well, I, I think certainly that they put some kind of plan into effect. So no, I don't think there's anyone sort of they're going. There is no problem, and there's nothing we need to do. Right. So I think we've come we've come a long way. I mean, certainly there's certainly a lot more work we need to do. And I've got a really good quote here from Cole McKenzie, who is the executive officer of the Marine um, sort of uh, operators. Sort of, you know, within the sort of tourism operators. Yeah, okay. And he says, our brand, this is sort of getting personal for him, our brand, as in tourism brand of Great Bay Reef, has copped a hiding over the past few years to a large extent unjustifiably, is what he feels. The green conservation movement has had a positive effect on polarising the government and getting it to do a lot more, right? Yeah, so right. it actually has done that. But it has a negative effect that is really caned, of course, a good Queensland word, yeah. but it's really caned the reputation of the tourism industry. So that's sort of from his perspective, yeah. but sort of saying, oh, well, it is good and bad. You know, we've done, we've done a lot from this, but at the same time it has other effects. But I want to give you one more quote, which is from, the, um, from Michael Roche, who's from the Queensland Resources Council, right? So this is some of the mining okay. and so on. Yep. And just to show that actually, you know, this plan has, made effect, has an effect because he's, he's saying it will inevitably mean that some port developments won't be able to occur. Right. So this okay. is from it, you know. So, but that's the price Australian government has felt it is worth making to satisfy worth making to satisfy the World Heritage Committee. So there is some power behind it. It would seem there is some teeth behind it. Can, it can be something. Is it something that's effectively the government is? Well, I mean, in their sense, they're buying votes. But but from a that's social license. They're choosing to say we value that iconic reef over the development, the movement of the coal, and otherwise. And they actually really are making a statement. And are they doing that because of the threat of this delisting? Yes. 
Wow. I suspect so. Look, I, I so maybe they are valuable. I think once the spotlight suddenly turns very brightly, mm. there's what do you do at that point in time? Mm. Kind of go, no, nothing to see. <laughs> Look, I, I think I think the, the 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 well, they choose to do that in other. Uh, and I'm, I mean, politicians of all persuasions choose to do that in some occasions, yeah. but it seems that there's. Enough argument and enough impetus behind this one that they have chosen to go this way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and other. certainly there's a lot of criticism around the actual plan itself and how effective it's going to be. But there is one in place. Mm. I mean, we've got to sort of uh, go, yeah, and, and how that can be modified and actually strengthened in the future, um, particularly if it does become in danger. It, it does sort of become listed in danger in a couple of years' time, because that may, or it may even be in a, in a couple of weeks' time, because the, the commission may make a different decision than the, than the report recommends. That's, that's where it gets really interesting, yeah. because it will be a very, very big show of uh, of lack of confidence in its own committee should the World Heritage Committee re- either reject this report or request some amendments to it. That would be unprecedented though, wouldn't I it? I would have thought it would be unprecedented. I don't know. I, I don't imagine they'll reject it, but they might request some amendments. Yeah, I would wow. have thought there's the possibility for that. Mm. But that issue of the precedent, I think, is a really interesting one. I don't know yeah. that if it's happened before. How interesting. But we're I'm going to have sure to leave it there. We'll keep talking about it in the coming weeks. Yeah. Well, I, I think in summary what we're saying is what it does is it brings the focus of the community onto a real question. You have a choice here, a choice between conserving something that actually produces enormous economic benefit when it's being a reef versus... Favouring another kind of economic development. How interesting. Mm. Anyway, thanks for the show, guys. Yeah, thank you. And thanks to Adam Pope for joining us and talking about the Australian Marine Sciences National Conference in Geelong. We've started a movement. Darren Lyons, blue hair to open the AMSA conference. This has been a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.